This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. This is our post-match show of Foam's 1-0 victory against Birmingham City on Saturday. Joining me again is Max Cohen and Yana Shaneas. We're going to go into more detail about this victory for Foam, and I look forward to doing it with my co-hosts. And guys, I thought a good way again to talk about this match would be to just talk about the comments from the head coach presser, which you can see on the Foam website and get your views. I thought that would be a good way to get us going talking about this because we've already given our initial thoughts. So let's start with talking about Scott Parker and his opinion of this match. So, guys, here are some quotes from the head coach of Fulham. Here is what Mr. Parker said after the match. And, again, this is from the article on the Fulham website, so I'm going to read just a little part of that. When asked if this was a deserved three points, Parker said, quote, I think so. It's a tough place to come. They've had one defeat here all year. We knew it was going to be tough. First half, we had a goal disallowed. But second half, I thought we were very dominant. It's been a tough week. There's been some questions asked of the team, mainly by me after a 3-0 loss at home. That was bitterly disappointing. But we came here and showed real character in difficult conditions, and I thought we were worth the win. I said to the team in the lead-up, the main focus wanted to see was character. That's how I determine a footballer, their character and passion about them. If you've got that, first and foremost, you'll be all right. We all realize that if you want to be successful as a team and as a player, you need something that's in the gut of your stomach. That's a desire about you and a mentality. The traveling fans were superb supporting the team all the way through, and we're top drawer. It was a good day. We'll take a deep breath, relish the moment, but now we need to build on this, unquote. Okay, Mr. Janaeus, I'm going to go to you first. These were quotes from Scott Parker after the match. 
your thoughts on what he shared. I love these post-match co- conferences. I mean, what do they really say? <laughs> <laughs> and we hang, and here in North America, I mean, you, Russ, as well as anyone, you, you know, I know you, you will often hang on uh, every uh, word of Coach Belichick. Yes. Pre- <laughs> post-match. You know what? Um, I'm glad he's I'm glad he's got the fans. I mean, it's wretched weather up there. And anybody who's ever been to Birmingham, on a cold, wet Saturday afternoon, will tell you that it's not the most glorious place in the world to, to visit. And it was going to be a difficult game, and we knew that. Right. And after the wretchedness of losing to Schmoll last week, it was nice. To, it was nice to, to, you know, to fight our way through some adversity. Yep. And uh, I think he's right. I think. I think. Uh, I think. On, on, you know, on reflection, looking back at the game, I think we did edge it. Um, I thought we were the better side. Um, I expected a little bit more of them. City. I don't think they're a bad side, but uh, in, in what the crazy division, um, you take the wins when you can get them. Right. And it's just a shame we have to go into the international break now and have to wait for when we play the ha-has in, uh, what, 11 days time. That's right. That's right. Okay, very good. Max, over to you. Thoughts on the comments of Scott Parker after the match and also what Giannis just shared. Yeah, I mean, Giannis makes a good point, you know, uh, Parker loves his cliches, and I think um, <laughs> what he said like was that. was actually really indicative of how he feels as a manager and how he feels as a player. Is that passion and character really form a major part of who you are? I think that's true to a certain extent, and also there's tactics, and maybe he lacks that a bit. But I think the main point he made is that this result has to be viewed in the prism of last week's three 0 lost the hole, and it was all going to be about the reaction. It was all going to be about how we played after suffering a season-defining loss. I think to view it through that lens, it's a, it's a great victory. As a standalone match, a 1-0 gritty, not very pretty, not very well-managed win over Birmingham wouldn't be too impressive on its own. But I think right. looking how, how poorly we did last week, how we looked lost and directionless, getting that win um, at St. Andrews just became so much more important. So I think it's a great victory. I think Parker makes a great point. It was all about the reaction to that 3-0 loss. Right, and I think that's his point, but he does love his cliches. I think he likes hearing himself talk a little bit, which is say that, but honestly, what manager doesn't? So I found them interesting, but again, it was, uh, you know, talking about things that he was as a player, that's a good point by you, Max. But I want to go back to you because now let's talk about, we've we've done our full-time show, and I've seen comments on social media a little bit, mostly, and, uh, you know, the comments are, you know, I, I've seen a few that were, you know, that it wasn't, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have anyone's direct comments, but let's see if you've seen the same, that talking about some of the things that Fulham didn't do in this match, you know, again, it, it, this was not a great spectacle. They did not play pretty football or, or a really attractive football, but they got it out of win. So what do you say to people that look at it and look at, the negatives that go along with us, because there are, you know, and again, we're not really creating a lot of chances, Max. But it sounds like to me, based on what you just said to me, this had more to do with the response than the performance. Would that be fair? Yeah, I would say so. I think it was all about getting the result. You know, that's also cliche, but, you know, it's it's Scott Parker's a manager, so I'll, I'll indulge myself. But it was, I, I, we didn't need something pretty, right? We needed a win because yeah. if we had lost um, on Saturday, I think, you know, playoff places very quickly – are going to get away from us. The table looks a lot more bleak. 
And it was about kind of riding the ship. So although I think there were some positives from the performance, it wasn't about necessarily the aesthetic nature of it. It was just getting that win. But also I think we can take heart from that defensive um, solidity in that last 25, 30 minutes. Right. When in past matches this season, we have seen us concede late leads in a number of matches. You know, West Brom, Sheffield Wednesday immediately come to mind. This time we actually held strong and didn't end up conceding. So from that defensive standpoint, I think it was an improvement, especially considering, right, the yep. circumstances we were in. No Kearney, no Brian. Right. Um, the Marshawn goes off injured, so we have Christie in there. A lot of moving pieces in that back five. And credit to us, we kept the clean sheet. Absolutely. That's a good point to talk about the defensive performance. And Yanis, I want to go to you because, uh, again, I'm so glad that they won because they needed to find a win, get three points whatever way that they can. But, you know, with, with all the positives, there are negatives. And I, I've seen some comments. I've had people actually comment to me talking about the lack of uh, offensive prowess, you know, th- that something's still not working. And I agree with all of this in this match too. But when I look at this, I look at a team that, again, going back to what Scott Parker said, you know, again, paraphrasing, gutted a, a victory, found a way to win, I think is extremely valuable. The conditions were terrible. And they're playing a team at home that is very difficult to beat. So you take what you can get. You you uh, score goals when you can. Unfortunately, you only score one. One was disallowed, but that was like that was offside. But regardless, for me, it had more to do with just getting the three points than the performance itself. We've had good performances and gotten nothing from it. So I, I want your thoughts on the negative part of this because I understand it. I, I totally understand the problems that Fulham are having going forward because it just doesn't look right. It doesn't look like, I hate to go back here, a Slavisa-style team, but they got the three points. That, to me, should be the bottom line. Yeah, it's, it's um, would we rather have 27 shots on net and, um, you know, or, you know, and play pretty football on 90% possession and, and not get anything or just, you know, be functional. And I think because the weather's, I've said it before, the weather conditions are deteriorating. The fields are going to get a little bit heavier. Right. And these are difficult. And we've got to, if you look at our next seven, eight games, they're not going to be easy. No. And a number of those games you look at, Russ, and you're saying, well, we're going to have to find ways to win, and it's not necessarily going to be pretty. When you come up against a team, I'm going to use Preston North End as a right. good example. We're a very gritty, well-organized team that give very little away, that seem to have a certain DNA about them. And they've had it really. It's been developing for the last two or three seasons where it's difficult to get results. I'm using him as a prime example. You can't, you you know, any, every dog's going to have their day. And I think we needed to get that piece of resilience that was clearly lacking against Schmoll, where we just felt like we, right. we folded apart like a cheap tent. Um, so... It, it, it was. I, I was pleased with the resilience. I, I, I thought to a man, the team worked very hard. And totally agree. Yeah, and losing him, and we lost Brian, we lost Le Marchand. Christie's come in and played very, very well. Um, you know, the, 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 the captain is ill, but but it didn't seem to matter because the the, the boys showed up and and and, and did the best. So it was it was a gutsy win, and we're going to need a lot more like that if we're going to be in the top six come May. I totally agree, Giannis, and it's funny because we're talking about this, and uh, I'm thinking about some of the attractive football that I've seen, and Fulham have gotten nothing from some of these matches. 
And then I just think of what you're just talking about. And again, this goes back to where I live and this term I'm about to give you because there are players that did this on Saturday that make a difference. It's next man up. Marek Rodak now gets another chance. He steps up. You just mentioned Giannis. Maxine LaMarchand going off injured. Well, Cyrus Christie comes in. He steps up. You have the situation Tom Kearney can't play, and you have the central midfielders have to step up. Everyone had to play their part, and it was a gritty performance. You can get a lot from that. Sometimes it might not look pretty, but it's big picture. It's going to pay off, and that's what I took out of this. It's been a few days since I really thought about this match because I thought the first half was hard to watch, and we're going to talk about it because it really wasn't that attractive to watch. But when you think about it, when you look at it, and you look at the end result and where they got to where they were getting a 1-0 victory, they earned the three points. I don't care who doesn't, you know, again, I read the comments from the Birmingham City manager, and, and you can read all that you want. Fulham deserved all three points. They were the better side. They took it from them. They deserve the match. That's the way I look at it. And I think there's a lot that you can take from this. It's the three points. I can't get past that. I understand how they played that it didn't look great. It doesn't matter. It's about the score line. Three points is three points. That's the way I look at it. All right, guys, yep. let's move on. Let's talk about the starting 11 in the 18 overall because it was a little interesting because I was not aware of the illness to Kearney. So, Fulham had to deal with that. Obviously, you have the injury to Brian. This was an interesting starting 11 and an 18. Giannis, I'll give you honors first. Your thoughts? Well, firstly, the, I know that, that the police are trying to find out uh, in which jurisdiction Sessegnon has been put in the witness protection program. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, nobody knows what's going on at all. It's a little, it's a little bizarre. I think things will st- start to maybe open up. Um, next Friday, um, how's that going to look? You know, um, with Le Marchand, are you going to push Christie over to the favoured right back position? Is Dennis Adoy going to slot in there? I mean, how's that going to look? I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure here. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit odd. Maybe Scott he's looked at his, his performance and said, you know, he's he's still a little bit raw. He still needs to train a bit more with the big boys. He still needs to get a bit more grounded. He made some errors earlier on. I understand that. So he wasn't part of it. Obviously, uh, missing Kenny, Harry Arter as well. Um, I think he's been a significant loss, to be honest. Yeah, I do, I, I do too. Um, but at the same time, it is sort of comforting to know that you've got players down and you can you can call players up who can um, who can do a job. And I know that one of the things on social media since the game Saturday yep. is you know Mitro's yellow. And, you know, Mitchell's going to be missing against the Ha-Has. Well, Bobby, Bobby Reed's a, a good player. And uh, we've been waiting for him to, you know, break out. And I think he will. And I think this is the per- the Ha-Has is the perfect game for him to come out. He's quick. And um, I think he's going to give them a lot of, a lot of trouble. Um, I thought it looked on paper like a functional 11 that was going to, should be able to get at least a point. I think one of the question marks was whether Betts was going to stay in or Rodak. Um, but to be fair to Scotty, Rodak doesn't need to be told, you know, what happened up in the Northeast and he got the red card and blah, blah. And, um, 
he's come back and he's redeemed himself. He has, and that's two consecutive yeah. clean sheets on the road, and that's um, that's no mean feat in in, in this division. So, um, lineup was just about right. Um, and I was curious to see how we were going to play with that can. It didn't seem to phase us too much, I think. It's very interesting that you say that because I was a little concerned how that would look. But then again, it's, as I said, next man up and see how it all shakes out. And Max, over to you. And I'm glad that Giannis brought this up from the get-go. I don't know what's going on with Steven Sessiona. I don't know if he is injured. I don't know what the situation is. But that was, believe it or not, the first thing that stood out to me because I forget about the starting 11. He wasn't even included. I'm thinking, what is going on here? Because there's been nothing about him recently that, you know, again, maybe he is injured, but we just don't know. So that was curious. And then, of course, the situation with Tom Kearney being ill. What were your thoughts when you saw the 11 and the 18? Yeah, maybe Steven saw his uh, twin brother make his Champions League and Premier League debut for Spurs and thought, maybe I can force a move too. Um, Nah, (laughs) that's just some banter there. But it is odd because the only defender there is Cyrus Christie. That's right. that's shocking. And and assuming Lamarchand's injured and won't make the 18 for, well, he might recover, but let's say he's injured for the QPR match, we'll have no defenders on the bench if Sassinone doesn't come in. So he would have to come in unless he's seriously injured, which would, again, right. be also be worrying. But it's a very, very weak defense right now in terms of yeah. depth. We don't really have anybody. So maybe we see some more youth team, pro- youth team products uh, called up. So that was worrying. But honestly you'd expect Sassanian to slide in there. Right. I think at the beginning of the season, or certainly in the first couple of weeks, Sassanian was very much ahead of Adoy and Christie in that fullback position. So for Christie to come in and Adoy to come in and Sassanian be nowhere to be seen, I would have to assume it's injured. But again, we've not heard anything from the club. There's really no official Nothing. reports that what's happening, so that's odd. No. And then we have to remember, he's only, what, 19 years old, 18 years old. He's still a very young guy. These sure. things happen. Maybe it was just too much for him at one time. But it was at one poor first half performance in Charlton and complete silence from him ever since, which is strange. And you haven't really heard Scotty talk much about it. No, I think that situation, maybe the club needs to answer for, I think there are a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. And that's the most worrying thing. Cause we do have a defensive injury crisis right now. We yes, do. We're going to, we're going to get Hector in, um, in January that will until help. then. I mean, if, if let's say Remir Mawson gets injured, who comes in in center back? I don't see an easy fix right now. Well, again, we kind of knew this going into the season, especially with many people and have talked about where's the backup for Joe Bryan at left back? Well, I, it turns out that it was going to be Maxine LaMarchand. That wasn't going to be my choice, but okay, that's what he decided to do. Then you always had Dennis Adoy, and as you can see, Dennis just steps right in and does a job. You know, like I said, these players are stepping in and – Full credit, like I said, I, I, I'm going to stand by my man of the match for Cyrus Christie in a difficult situation. Just real next man up, just does a job. And that's all you needed there. Someone to do a job and not hurt you. And he did that. And so did Dennis Adoy. You know, again, they weren't liabilities. I, that's the way I'm looking at it. In all of that match, I'm thinking the players that were used, you know, Maxine LaMarchand could have been a liability. You know, again, he got injured, but everyone just did their job. If you just do their job, I'm talking about the players on the pitch, I think everything's going to work out great because you have the talent to get it done.
but they all need to be on the same page, just doing your job. And you have some players that have those roles. You know, I love Chris Baird. One of my favorite players is Bairdino because that to me epitomized him. He just did his job. And I think we forget about, we don't need all superstar players all over the pitch. You need players that can just get a job done. And I think Dennis Adoya right now is getting the job done in the championship. He can do it at this level. So, and I'm glad that Cyrus Christie got another chance. Sorry, I was going off a little bit on a tangent there, but I just thought I would mention that. All right, guys, let's now talk about the first half, which again was uh, something that, again, not much of a spectacle, but again, I think we should really talk about it. And as I mentioned on full time, the first half starts off with uh, with a save by Merrick Rodak. And then you have here, let's, let's stop here. And uh, Giannis, I want to get your thoughts because uh, Scott Parker mentioned this at his uh, presser talking about the, um, the situation with Mitro in the 12th minute. He is offside. It is no goal. So I want to get your thoughts on this. Well, what did you think at the time? I thought it was. I thought it was marginally marginally on. But then you know, saw the replay. Um, they've given it. It's um. He's. It's, it's interesting that you know the more I the more I watch Mitro, the more I really get to appreciate what he does. And his he's a very clever player in terms of the ability to move into pockets. Yep, and uh, I think sometimes he's 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 a little quicker than defenders give him credit for, and I've not not exactly been happy with officiating this year, you know VAR notwithstanding. Um, I think it was marginally offside, but it's you know it's just one of those where it's just such a fine line. If we take the lead there, I think we yep. go out and we rattle a few more. Um, but I always got the feeling that we were. Um, I thought I thought we were in I thought we were in control uh, that we were going to be in control and that we were going to score that first goal. Um, I just thought they didn't uh, trouble us enough. Um, but it would have been nice to get an early lead because I find with our lads, if we get an early lead, we usually settle down and play our style. Right. And once we do that, right. we that... become an extremely difficult team to beat. Good point there, Yanis. All right, and uh, shortly after that, in the 16th minute, you have. Again, you have uh, you you have a save by Rodak, and then follow that up another one by Rodak. And Rodak really s- stood up big in this match. And uh, you know we've already talked about him, but I thought he was huge in the first half, and especially at the end of the match. We'll talk about that in just a bit. And then uh, a little later on, you have the injury to Maxine Marchand, and Cyrus Christie comes on, and the first half kind of fizzles out there. So, Max, I want to go to you. I just want to get your overall view of the first half through your eyes. Yeah, I think there were some pretty good chances. You know, Mitro's offside goal. Bobby Reed yep. nearly got on the end of a cross. That's right. It's going to be – I mean, where is his Fulham goal? I think it might just be destiny Friday night against QPR. He opens his account because it's – he's had so many chances, so many matches, and he seems so close each time. So I'm, I'm really hoping for him because he tries hard, but just has not hit that top form yet. He had a good chance. And, yeah, it wasn't – you're right, it wasn't the best half to watch, but – as I said in, in the full-time show, you get to the first half nil-nil. You gave yourself a great shot to go on and win it. So I thought, again, wasn't the best football ever, but I think that also can be attributed to the injuries, no Kearney. It wasn't as free-flowing as we would have liked it to be. But that's the way football, and um, I was perfectly fine with it. Okay, excellent. All right, 
guys. Let's now uh, focus on the second half. Let's let's talk about the second half. And as as we go there, you know, again, we have the opportunity in the 49th minute shot by by Reed that's saved by the goalkeeper. Then three minutes later, and Giannis, I'm going to give you the honors. Let's talk about the goal from Mitra. We talked about this on full time. You know, again, right place, right time, but strikers this is what they do so i want to get your thoughts on the goal that gave fulham the lead and it was actually was the match winner yeah i think if i'm I'm gonna do some i've been doing some reminiscing today and and um you know i'm not just not just you know the the center forwards that we've had Uh, i'm just thinking back to you know the 81 to 84 team when we had dean coney but people like you know bob latch with peter with peter osgood martin chivers clyde best you know, we get the big, strong centre forwards. We were very good at holding the ball up. Crosses came in from left and right. You challenge the keepers. And in the old days, I mean, going 60s, 70s, 80s, really, um, the strikers could go for those 40, 60, 30, 70 balls and get on the end of them and uh, and get something at the end of it. And I think that we went through a period of protection or overprotection of goalkeepers, you know, that sort of bothered me. And Mitra is a physical centre forward. It was a good, It was a very good ball by Christie. Um, and of course, the right. keeper's having a moan. I can't forget groan. that part of it. Yeah, yeah, he's having a moan and a groan about the challenge. But for crying out loud, if you go, go back 30, 40 years, Russ, that was that was an absolute norm challenge. That was an absolutely typical. You know, I, I, oh my god, I, I left out people like you know, um, Cyril Regis, for example. I mean, yep. some great centre centre forwards, and they were just big and and strong, and they went up for those crosses. And I'm so glad I, I've got to, I'm going to pay some respect to the ref here because, you know, often more often than not, you see those ones called back. That's right. The keeper's come out and he's done out and he's been contacted. He's gone, oh, foul on the keeper. But also credit the Metro because the way the ball dropped, um, it was a very slick finish. But, you know, it was one of those where you could have had a complete brain cramp. And it That's right. Really but it was, um, it, was, it was a good goal. And I was, I was pleased because I, I think it's something that often. You know, it's forgotten the game, but the, the beauty of good crossing of the ball, not just in terms of height, but in terms of speed, in terms of spin, where you've really got that 1v1 challenge with the keeper, where the centre-back feels it's fair game. That's know, right. Desire. So, uh, you know, it, it was a good goal, and it's. I, I think we need to be a lot more consistent in terms of crosses in the box, because Mitra is very, very good in the air, and I'm not so sure we utilise that strength in the air as much as we should. But on Saturday we did, and, and I really thought when, when he scored that goal, I didn't think they were going to come back. I really thought then and there with those conditions, this should be enough, barring, you know, a red card or um, a silly penalty or you know, something really going wrong. I thought that was going to be the winning goal, and it turned out to be. It did. But it certainly wasn't easy in the end, and we'll, we'll go through that. But Fulham were the better side in the second half, and I actually agree with... Scott Parker's assessment, he said Fulham dominated, and, and I'm going to say that too. But Birmingham City weren't going to go down without a fight, and they certainly did. But what's interesting here, guys, and let's, as we go on in the second half, Dennis Adoy, of all players, almost scores a goal. The just goes wide in the 60th minute. So Fulham were creating some opportunities. And um, then later on, let's go all the way to the 79th minute because, to me, this was the difference between three points and one point. And Max, you already discussed this on the uh, full-time show, but let's talk about it again. 
because I know you're going to agree with me. I know you're a huge Marcus Bettinelli fan, and understandably so. I, I, I get it. But you, I want to give you full credit because you gave credit to Rodak's performance on full time. And I think this is what you're really talking about, this save in the 79th minute. Yeah, it was superb. Um, it was one of those moments after they brought on uh, Jefferson Montero, who, by the way, as uh, Gentleman Jim mentioned, is oh, a Oh, he should have been player. on the entire game. And, and it's honestly shocking to see that he's a sub for Birmingham City now. I remember when he was tearing up in the Premier League for Swansea, he really must have fallen That makes no I, sense, Max. I'm glad that yeah. you brought that up because he was dangerous the minute he came on. He was. He was excellent. I think he might have been on loan at West Brom last season, perhaps. But anyway, he gives a lot of problems down that down their left wing. And it was another ball in the box. It was reminded me a lot, actually, of the Sheffield Wednesday goal we conceded late on earlier this season when just the ball in the box, not really great marking. But yeah, Rodak, superb save. Tips it onto the bar. Yep. Needed him to be big in that situation. And yeah, I love Mark Spendelli, but at the end of the day, I've said this before, I'm a Fulham fan. I'm not a Benelli fan, right? right? So if Rodak comes in and plays excellently, I'll back him. And I'll back him uh, like emphatically because I want Fulham to win. The reason I was against Rodak is because he made a terrible error in his in, in the match against Burrow. But <laughs> I think he really did well, and that's just a fact. And I think he did really well to respond to that. I think that's tough for keepers when it's so much about confidence and self-belief. Big credit to him. He's a young guy. And if he plays like this, I think he deserves to – to hold that first uh, that first choice keeper role for the rest of the season. Okay, goodbye, you Max. That's some very good commentary. All right, let's now talk about the end of the match, Mister Janaeus. I'm going to go to you because we're going to talk about Bubakar Kamara. He comes on for Bobby Reed, and if there's a role for Kamara, this is it. Way on in the match when again the team that they're playing against is tired. Let him run. Let him run. And this was an opportunity. I've seen this before. And Kamara shot. I thought it was in the back of the net, and it hits the post. But the goalkeeper, I believe, deflected it. So I can't blame Abubakar for this because I, I thought he made a decent opportunity. But I thought Fulham were going to win 2-0 here, Yanis. Your thoughts on the opportunity from Abubakar Kamara at the end of the match? I thought it was a brilliant save, actually. Um, he's, he's put it in the right spot, and he's and he, and he keeps stuck his leg out. I, uh, Boo Boo's, he's funny to watch. I, I don't, I mean, I, the, he's, he's big and he's strong and he's physical, but I'm not, I'm not really sure he knows what he's doing half the time out there. <laughs> I, I agree mean, with he, that. Bless his cotton socks, the poor little laddie. He's running around and he's, and he, and he puts himself about, but really there's just, you know, this, this, I don't know. And it's funny because oh, somebody I think today, that's harsh. I think you're hard. But, but it's funny. Somebody said today that um, with the transfer deadline coming, you know, I'm sure you know a number of teams. If you look at the, if you look at the, you know, the, the parity of the, the division, are going to be looking, um, looking for loan signings or what have you. And somebody today said, you know what, I still, I still think there's room for Dwight Gale. And and. and <laughs> And, and, and the Dwight Gale over the past ten transfer windows. But you know what? Hey, Dwight Gale's not doing anything right now. And one thing you know about Dwight Gale is he scores goals. Um, he does. And uh, I, if he's a, an option coming off the bench in the last twenty twenty five minutes, he'd scare yeah. the bejesus out of me. Um, Boo Boo, um, to me, um, hasn't developed. He's not developed. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna penalise him or 
discriminate against what happened last year with the penalty and the, the security right. government. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I mean, it's you know, Scott is welcoming him back. Great, fabulous. But he's, to me, he's not. He's not got any better. He, he just he's. No, he's the he, same player. It's a good point. He's the exact he, same player. He's, he's um, he's um, he's what I'd call a. He's a quicker donkey. <laughs> you know, oh, he's, this, he's, is, he's, this is slander. This is slander. <laughs> he works hard. No, no, Max. He work, Max. He works hard, but his first touch is is, is poor. Um, you know, he doesn't. I don't think he reads situations well. I don't think he moves well enough in zones three and four. To me, he doesn't. He doesn't shoulder check on enough. Uh, he doesn't use his, his strength as much as he should. He should be terrorizing defenders. And yeah, that was um, a good chance. And again, I'm going to give him credit. He's done well. I think the keeper's done really well there. But I think he should offer a lot more. And I think the fact that Scotty doesn't use him is testament to the fact. Why don't why don't managers use players more? Because A, they don't fancy them. B, they don't trust them. And I just don't think yeah. Scotty's got it. I think he's a striker short. And I think when you're looking at the deadline, I think he's keeping faith with someone like Bobby Reed because Bobby Reed's got pace and he's actually played pretty well. He's done everything but score. Whereas I think he's tomorrow, hoping that he starts scoring. Yeah, and it's and and he's almost become on. I think Booby's almost become a um, a little bit of a comical figure. You know, yeah. we all want him to do well, but we all sort of know he's going to fall on his face, and he'll try hard. <laughs> give him, don't don't get me wrong, but he I does. just don't think he's the quality. I just don't. I don't. Okay. I don't think so. Prove huh? me wrong, Max. Prove me wrong. Fair assessment. Fair Max, would you like to comment on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to. I think it's been tough for Kamara. I think if you look at the opportunity he's been given this season, they're very sparse. It's not a player who's had a lot of time to show us what he has. But in the, in the few minutes he has played, I remember his excellent assist against Forrest. I think he changed that match. He almost got us the point after being 2-0 down. I think in the matches against Cardiff away and Sheffield Wednesday away, he came on and really was a perfect outlet. So you're right. I don't think... I don't think Scotty not starting him is a lack of trust per se. I think it's just the fact that he's not as good as Cavalier or Knockout, right? I don't think that's controversial to say, but I think he's a great option off the bench. And I no. think it, it's tough to say if his end product has improved, but I really think people don't give him enough credit. Yes, he missed that chance. That should have been a goal, but I do think we saw improvement. I think uh, a Kamara of old might've blasted that, you know, a million miles over the bar. This time he tried to confidently place it, composure, into the bottom left-hand corner. Lee can't make a great yeah. save, to be fair. But again, I keep coming back to this with Kamara, and if people give him stick. But the fact of the matter is, no other player on the pitch in the Fulham squad, let alone, is even in that position to take that shot. No one has that pace or that initiative to get in that position. So yeah, we're, we're, we're going to criticize him for missing the goal. But let's just remember that no one else would even be in that position to begin with. Okay. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> be honest. Who, who, who's running led to the pitch? In the 90th minute, in the Fulham team, who oh, else? Who else do you fancy? Yeah, but... <laughs> you know, uh, no. I said, I, Aite's I, gone. I, I he can't anymore. Max, I, I hear what you're saying. My only, my only thing is this. I mean, you, you've got to have. Um, I think, in, you know, obviously, Mr. Aite's gone. Um, but you've got to, when you're looking yes. at the bench, you've got to have an, a viable option that's going to come on and give you something different. It was one nothing. Don't one nothing. Don't get me wrong. But what if it had been nil nil? What if it, we were one nil down? Someone who's going to give them, um, give Birmingham a little bit of a different look. And I think, you know, smarter, more experienced defenders don't have to be that quick playing as uh, Kamara. They don't because he's he, he, he's not. 
I think the best strikers are thinkers. Mitro, I think, is a thinker. He, people may not think that, but if you watch him carefully during the game... Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, like Brian McBride, I mean, Brian McBride was, I mean, I just put something on my Facebook thing, but I'm reminiscing about great, great players. You know, who was the best American ever to play in the Premier League? Was it Dempsey or McBride? And some could say Tim, I mean, some could say Tim Howard. But McBride was such a fine player and such a crafty player as well. Yeah. And um, you need that think as a striker. You need to be able to think, especially as a centre forward. And I don't. I think that's a um, that's a development. That's a. Um, I've got to be careful. I put this. Um, that's an awareness development piece. That may be an experience thing. Um, and that's why, if you look at the players, the strikers right now. I, mean, I was watching the, the City Liverpool game yesterday. He yep. didn't score, but I, I, watching um, you know Sergio Aguero is an absolute joy. It's just a joy in watching a footballer be as good at what he does and have to, he's not the quickest and he's not the strongest and he's not the biggest but he's, he's he's a clever player that reads situations well and makes things happen a lot with his first touch a lot to do with his vision um a lot to do with his runs off the ball and those are the what make good good strikers and that's why Mitro scores as many goals as he does because he's it's not an accident he's you know he's Johnny on the spot he knows where to go and Boo Boo's not there yet. Will he ever get there? Well, I hope he does. I hope he does. I think, but I think for the push for this year, we need options off the bench um, that are going to help us. That's where I think we've got to take a good look in the, the transfer window. We need some depth, Russ. Um, I agree. Boo Boo's not going to be the guy. Much as Max loves Boo Boo, um, I think that we, I think we need, um, I think we need a slightly better option. But we'll see. Maybe he'll prove me wrong and score four against the Ha Ha's. <laughs> well, guys, I'm going to bring up a name. Okay, this is the first time I'm going to mention this name in this podcast. Okay, I'm not saying he's ready, but a player to look out for in the future. I think you guys both are going to agree with me. Has to be. Jay Stansfield, okay, uh, playing for the uh, under eighteen. Eleven goals in three games. Okay, he scored. I mean, that's amazing. not an accident. Okay, he's not. Oh. Again, he's not ready for the first team. But just keep an eye on this because I've been following him. I again, I yes, I see the highlights. I see all the best parts. But this kid is scoring for fun. Maybe, just maybe, Fulham are developing a striker. That's all I'm going to say. They did with Musa Dembele, the other Musa Dembele. Maybe they have one in the future, and Jay stands for just keep an eye on that. I just thought I'd mention that because we're talking about strikers. Yes, I watched a number of the under eighteen games, and I've got to agree with you there. Um, He's he's um, people are going to look at the number of goals he scored, but um, you know, let's not forget what we had a teenager in this club that we lauded for a couple of years. That's right. Yeah, Ryan. You know, he scored a a lot of goals. Um, (laughs) Exactly. I've heard of him. Um, I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, now now, but Stansfield <laughs> is is a cl- he's um he's a, he's um he's a smart player. Yes, um, and it, it's funny. I've seen the finishes. Yes, and you look at you, you look at um you look at even if you know you go back as you get older and you look back at it could be it could be any sport really where you say okay who are the, you know who are your favourite players I mean I, I, you know we've got favourite Fulham players. 
favorite players of all time, you know, people you gravitated to and, you know, think I've always been a gravitator towards thinkers. You know, I've got a lot of stick because I was a humongous Berbatov fan. But Berbatov was, a, was, was, you know, to me, had the best first touch of anybody who's right. ever played in the Premier League. I mean, it, it, no one, I think, comes close. I, Gordon Davis is my favorite form player because he had a super first touch and his vision on and off the ball was sublime. And notwithstanding, he scored goals. You look at Robert Wilson. Robert Wilson was yep. someone who um, his movement was didn't need to be the most fluid, but man, could he pass a ball. And he was excellent at reading situations. And these are thinking players. Yep. And Stansfield, it, it gives me the little, what I've seen of him, yep. he, he's wise beyond his years. So I'm excited, like you are. And yep. I don't think he's that far off. Because, hey, FA Cup is not going to be too far off. That's right. Know. Give him, give the, give the ladder run around, see what he can Why do. Why not? Why not? I was just thinking about that because, again, we're talking about strikers. I'm not suggesting putting him in the first team to play in the championship. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, when someone's scoring this amount of goals and you watch them and you can see it, th- these aren't fluky goals. He's scoring quality goals. I know it's under 18s. I understand that, but under 18s is pretty competitive. For his age group, he's really doing an incredible job. He's showing something. So just keep an eye on this kid. That's all I just wanted to mention that. All he's right, guys. What was that? He's being noticed. I mean, he has. You know, you know that. So I do know that. I do, I do know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, which is good. It, that's It's excellent. All right. All right, guys. Let's finish up with looking at the stats and then going back to talking about the man of the match. So, again, when you look at the stats, they're – Interesting as always when it comes to foam. So let me let me pull up the stats and I'm going to share them with you. All right, let's start with possession. 56% to 44% for foam. Shots, only 10 shots for foam, 16 for Birmingham City. Three on target for foam, four for Birmingham City. So they had more shots on target. Crosses, 23 to 15 in favor of Birmingham City. Let's look at passing accuracy. 80% for foam, 71%. For Birmingham City. And then let's look at files 12 for Birmingham City and 8 for Fulham. Okay, Max, what stands out to you from the full-time stats? It's an even match, and it's even to the point where Birmingham might even edge it in some categories. But that's what you do when you play away from home. Ross, you know, you get it, you get the result, but you don't have to dominate. And believe me, I'm so glad to be on the end of a win when we didn't dominate rather than dominating exactly. and failing to score. So, I mean, it's refreshing. It really is. It is. I, I said it almost after the whole City match. Wouldn't it be nice to have a smash and grab one time? And Why although not? this isn't nearly in the same realm of, as a true <laughs> smash and grab, you know, that would have to be burrow away um, in, in 2017. Remember that? That was yep. great. But it's it's satisfying to know that, you know, yes, you didn't dominate, but you're still going to go home with the win. Right. And, again, I keep going back to this. Do I want us to play attractive football? Yes. But to me, more importantly, I want them to win and win in any way that they can. Uh, you know, again, I don't want them to play like Neil Warnock, who just got, again, he's no longer at Cardiff City. So I actually am doing a jumping jack as we're doing the show. Just saying. Happy about right. that. But um, I want them to win. That's the bottom line. I, I you know, it's not a, Number one thing isn't playing attractive football for me. It's actually winning football matches. They can go hand in hand, so they will play attractive football. But more, but more importantly, want them to win. Giannis, what stands out to you from the full time stats? The fact that we won. Hooray. There you go. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's at the end of the day. I, bottom line. Yeah, it's a, it's a bottom line. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's about uh, do you score more? I mean, you draw comfort in defeat and draws from stats that make you look better. But the, the ultimately the, the the one stat that counts more than anything else is the number of goals you score. And as long as as long as you score one more goal in the opposition, as Cluffy used to say, that's um, that's all that matters. And um, you know, it was it was um, it was a good win, and it was a shutout. And um, did I say shutout? Kept a clean sheet. I meant thinking, <laughs> thinking in North American here now. Um, kept a clean sheet, which is always good. Hotels like that. And um, onto the. Uh, Onto the ha ha's we go, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Although we're not going to have we're not going to have uh, Metro, which is a big loss, but I think we've we've got more than enough firepower to cover that. I totally agree, and that's why, in a weird way, I want to see them play without him because what? this situation could have come up later in the season. Let's see how they react without Metro. They have enough to to beat QPR without him. Let's see it. Let's see what Scott Parker does without him. I want to see it. Well, we're going to see it. You don't always have to look at it as a negative. Look at the other way to look at it, and it's like, okay, how are Fulham going to react to it? I'm curious. Let's see how they do. All right. Let's finish up, guys, with Man of the Match. We did our Man of the Match on full-time, so I thought what I'd do is a little bit different. We did this in prior seasons. I went to Friends of Fulham and looked at their post for Man of the Match. I'm going to give you the results, and I'm also going to read some posts of what the fans are saying as man of the match, and then we can talk about it and also share who we picked as man of the match. You can also hear that on the full-time show. So let's start with a vote. There was 164 votes on Friends of Fulham. The winner was Alexander Mitrovic at 40.9%. He had 67 votes. That is followed by Marek Rodak with 22.6% and 37 votes. After that, is Cyrus Christie at 20.7% and 34 votes. So those are the three players that got the most votes, and Mitrovic got man of the match. So I'm now going to read some of the comments from the Fulham supporters that are on Friends of Fulham on this post. Keith H. said, chose Rodak because at one stage, he was the only defender. Arthur says, ream for me, excellent with the ball in the first half, defended solidly in the second no way can I see him dropping out of the side when Hector becomes available. That's very interesting. Dodger 53, Rodak for me. Worcester White, some really good performances for me, but has to go to Mitro, not just for the goal. He gave everything today. Thought Johansson was tireless also. Didn't stop chasing. Misfit Kid, Rodak 2, a clean sheet is a clean sheet. Finian's right peg, went for Christie. For a player who hasn't had many minutes lately, to come on and play like he did reminds me why we bought him, and I think we should have started with the back four that finished the game. Okay, and I'm going to finish with Woolly Mammoth, Mitrovic all day long, led the line well, and one-man fighting unit. An example to all the lazy players who have come and gone in the last few years and who should be ashamed of their gutless performances. Boy, that's strong by Woolly Mammoth. (laughs) I love it. Okay. <laughs> Great stuff. Fantastic stuff, guys. Okay. Max, to you. Thoughts on the poll, the comments from the phone supporters, and who you have as man of the match. What's revisit? Yeah, 
Yeah, sure. I'm a I'm a Mitrovich guy. I'm really glad that last comment you read out. I think that perfectly sums it up. He's someone who, even when it drops down to the second division, doesn't mope, doesn't feel nope. bad for himself, tries just as hard, if not harder, than he did in the Premier League. That's just credit to him. And, and who saw that touching moment when he gave the mascot the yes. big jacket because he was cold? Oh, it's wonderful. Well, what a great moment. You know, I, I was a mascot once. Danny Murphy held my hand. He didn't even think of giving me his jacket. It was raining. So, you know, fair play to Mitro. He, he's, he's a true gentleman. <laughs> You had to say that, did you, Max? Yeah, okay, I did, I did, Russ. Come on, you know me. I have to tell that story every once in a while. You're of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Giannis, over to you. I have a feeling you, you were chuckling during some of those comments. So your thoughts? Yeah, because Wooly Mammoth was was uh, obviously describing for that evening. And, um, and, of course, that, that would be – or maybe even down bent. <laughs> Actually, I, to be honest, I had a tender heart since the show on Saturday. I'm going to be, I hate to say this, um, I watched the game again. Uh, I originally gave it to, to Malik Rodak. Yeah. Uh, it was sensational. I was tempted to give it to Betts because I haven't seen a performance like that in years from him. But I'm going to give it to, I thought Mitra was, was outstanding. Yeah. He really did lead the line. And he, you know, Max is right. He's, he's, he hasn't moped and he's, 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 he's really done the job. Some would argue, some have said it since Saturday, that maybe maybe you look to give him the captain's armband now, not Tom Kearney, because, because he's the true leader of the team. And I, right now, I wouldn't argue against that. He's a leader on the pitch. Yeah. You know, again, he leads by example, but it's more than that. I mean, he's doing everything, but he's also someone that I I understand where you're going on that, Giannis. And... Um, I will, listen, Tom Kearney is a fantastic player. He, to me, is not what I look at as a captain. I, I, I've seen captains like him. I, I'll actually use Michael Bradley as an example, as someone that's been a captain. And, and that's what Tom Kearney kind of reminds me a little bit. I, I don't know if you can see that, but I, that's where I'm looking at. Michael Bradley and Tom Kearney it's similar. But yeah. I – I understand what you mean by with Mitro as being a captain. I agree with that. I agree with that. Mind you, having said that, I mean, you know, having watched Bradley, not just the U.S. national team, but obviously TFC. Yeah. The thing about the thing, I, I think, I mean, I, I do like Bradley. I, 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 he gets quite a bit of stick as a player. He I does. Really like him as a player because he's, he runs a lot of stuff in the hands. I mean, you know, you know you're going to get a shift. You know he's going to put it in. He, he's always looking. He's on the first one to track back. He plays like a captain. He's not. He's not gonna. He's not gonna shy out of conflict. He's and often, he, you know, when things go belly up, he's he's even the pacemaker in there. You know, I've got a lot of time for Michael Bradley and I always have that. I think Mitro. He really does. I mean, he, you know, it's every single game he put. I mean, and um, you know, it all depends on Russ on philosophy of what constitutes a good captain. Right. And that's, you know, should it be a goalkeeper because he sees the whole field? Should it be a striker because he's looking back at the whole field? Should it be, a, usually you'd say, was you know, centre-back? It should be a central midfielder because they're probably the most important positions on the pitch. But I just think often you've got to go to someone who's, who's not just your best player, but really just leads the line. And for me, Mitro was excellent on Saturday. And um, to me, he's right now, the de facto captain, even despite the fact that Kearney uh, has the armband. Okay. That's my thought. Oh, excellent there, Yannis. Okay, fantastic. Great show, guys. Before we wrap this up, I, I just want to say one thing because uh, 
many people might know this is that um, I have uh, gone off Twitter for a while and I'm going to stay off Twitter for a while for personal reasons. Uh, and um, I just decided to go off Twitter. That doesn't mean that um, this show is going anywhere because I'm still going to do this show and the show will still be posted on Facebook and my friends here, Giannis and Max will post the show. And uh, I just needed to take a little break from Twitter and I'll just leave it at that. But I just want to say this and thank everyone for their support that have contacted me when they learned that I was off Twitter. And I, I could not believe the response I got from that. So I just wanted just to mention this at the end of the show. Thank you. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Again, just some personal uh, situation going on with, with, uh, with me. But um, I just decided for at least for now, I'm staying off of Twitter and uh, and I'm okay with that. But I, I just want everyone to know that I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me. Okay. I just, just want to stress that because I think people thought that maybe there was something wrong with me, but no, no, I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm good. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Great show guys. Fantastic show as Yay. always, but let's wrap it up for Yashinis and Max Cohen. I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.